Thank you for joining the Move the Stairs podcast. I'm Diane Mulligan with my colleagues Mitch Jelniger and Jordan Sherman. You may be wondering, what does Move the Stairs mean? It's our philosophy, how we look at every challenge as an opportunity. When you move the stairs, you take the steps other people might not. Creating customer loyalty, nurturing great relationships with the media, and building a resilient CBD hemp and medical marijuana brand. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we'll talk with the brightest minds, the savviest business leaders, and reporters in the CBD space. You'll learn how brand protection PR can help your CBD, hemp, or medical marijuana business stand head and shoulders above your competitors. And you'll be on your way to making the most of any challenge. That's what we call Move the Stairs. Let's get started. Well, welcome to our Move the Stairs podcast. We are recording on Friday. This is June 9th, 2023. We're glad you're here joining us for today's interesting conversation. It's going to be great because we're interviewing Ashley Jenkins, and she's the owner of MT Growers in Denver. Ashley has a great story to share because she is the first black woman to have a cannabis manufacturing license through the city of Denver's social equity program. Yeah, this is a great program and we are so excited to learn more about it and ask Ashley about how she uses that program to help her build customer loyalty in her brand. And of course, building relationships with the media is always important, right? To help your business grow. So we're going to hear from Ashley about what she does to connect with the right reporters and industry writers. And, you know, she just celebrated her first anniversary. So we're going to learn from Ashley about what she's doing to help MT growers build and maintain a resilient brand. So, Ashley, we want to see you pop in here. There you are. Let's get started. Welcome. Hi. We're so glad that you're joining us today. And I love your story. So, your interest was in the business side of the cannabis industry when you began, but you were actually began as a transport driver for an ambulance company. Tell us a little bit about that background. It's very interesting. Correct. Yes, ma'am. So um, I was a transport driver for a local company out of uh, Centennial, Colorado, um, and it is called Action Care Ambulance. And so what I did before I started my EMT journey um, was I was just taking my veterans to and from uh to their appointments. They had dialysis appointments. If they had um, appointments at the amputee uh, station, whatever it was, I would take them anywhere from Wyoming, uh, Fort Lupton, Colorado Springs. I was down in Colorado Springs quite a bit. um, And I would just take them to whatever VA they needed to go to. So that's where I started. Um, And I thought, well, let's try and do a little bit more. So I enrolled in EMT school um, and quickly learned that I didn't go to college for a reason. Um, School just wasn't for me. Um, I give kudos to all the EMTs, though. They they put their lives on the lines and they do a lot of work. Um, And I just thought that the medical side of things was a little off. It didn't really feel right to me. Um, But as a cannabis user, I knew that cannabis could take place for the medical side. Um, And so that's kind of where it started. Very good. Let's go a little uh, farther back uh, in your life. About 12 years ago, you told me you were busted for possession (laughs) of a couple of grams of marijuana. First offense, 
Um, and of course, this happened right before cannabis was legalized in Colorado. So that sounds like a negative, but it actually turned out to be a pretty positive thing in your life because it sent you on a different trajectory. So tell our, our listeners about how that kind of helped pave the way for you to kind of zero in on Denver's social equity program for marijuana licensing. Right. So um, you're absolutely correct. I was actually in college in Florida. Uh, so that's kind of where the hefty all of it came from. Um, I was in a car. We were I'm from I'm a native. So Col Colorado had just legalized weed here right before I went off to college. So I was in the mindset of I can smoke anywhere. Um, and so in Florida that I learned really fast, that is not the case. I was pulled over with two grams of marijuana, um, sent to jail. I did the weekend. Uh, when I went to court, they asked for 33 years on my first offense. You're absolutely correct. Wow. 33 years. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> my son was maybe seven months, eight months old. Um, I was like, this is crazy. Um, Thank goodness my mom came down um, and she just has, my mother is just that type of person. Somehow she ended up having the judge ask if, uh, you know, if I, she was willing to take me back to Colorado so that I could finish out my six months of probation. And I was like, yes, let me go home. Um, so I came home, I did my probation, um, but that was, uh, that was something that was on my record. I have misdemeanor of possession and it has, it's never really been a big problem in like the lower level jobs. Uh, like I'm a server. I was a bartender for a long time. They don't really care about that on your resume. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you try to get like, I call it a big girl's job. <laughs> when you try to get a job that has benefits and a 401k, um, that does hinder you. And so I'd been a server and a bartender until I was about 28. And then I just happened to get the action care job because of a friend of mine. She had um, worked at action care from the time she graduated up until she's still there now. So it was kind of like, here, I'll help you because you want a big girl's job. And um, so stay. when I started that is when social equity started to like become a buzz and they were talking about it. Um, and like I said, I was kind of realizing that the the pharmaceutical side was a was something that I wasn't very much interested in. And so when this program had come out, my uncle, who has been in the cannabis industry since 2015, like when it first came out and legalized, he had um, MT Growers LLC. He had an MT Growers company as well down in Pueblo. He used to make the trip from Denver to Pueblo all the time. So when this opportunity had presented itself, um, he just he asked if I you know, was interested. And so we started doing some research and I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I knew I wanted to do something in the medical industry, but I knew I didn't want to do something in the pharmaceutical industry. Mm -hmm. So that is uh, it was kind of like the pieces just fell into place and the program was made for minority with the previous drug charge. Mm -hmm. And so. There I went. And you eventually ended up getting your, your manufacturing license, becoming the first black woman to do so through this Denver-based program. Which yes. is fantastic, by the way. I wanted to reiterate yeah. that for our listeners. Um, Thank you. Ashley, we always talk about building customer loyalty. And by sharing with your customer, by sharing 
with your customers, your, your motivation to enter this industry. I'm curious, um, are you sharing this story of yours with your consumers? And are you finding that it helps them kind of relate to what it is you're trying to accomplish um, here in Colorado? Absolutely. So the first thing that I'll tell anybody is how I got the license. I think that's a crazy story to go from someone that had a misdemeanor charge and could really get nowhere to owning a business that was that same charge. I think that's crazy. So that's the, the first 33 thing. years is what gets me. I mean, that is insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Insane. Granted, it's Florida. And I'm sure everybody thinks Florida is like, that's not real. There's diff something about Florida is different. But yeah, 33 years, I'm telling you, my my throat would just like it, clo it closed up. And I was like 33. I had never been in trouble with the law ever. And then it was like 33 years. And I was like, I'm only 21. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> I'll be 50 by the time I get out. My son's not going to know who I am. So, yeah, I, I definitely tell that story because it's first off, it's the truth. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you exactly how I got here. I didn't get here on, you know, I didn't get here with any money behind me. I'm not a kid that had a trust fund or anything like that. Like, I literally started from the very bottom. Like there was no more. The only thing further that I that could have been more bottom was actually doing 33 years. Like there was no further than that. So coming from the bottom to the very top, the first black woman in Denver's history to have a license under this program. Um, and and if you're from Colorado, any of the listeners, there's not many black dispensaries or MIPs. There's only maybe four or five of us. So that's crazy to me. So I'll I'll be the first one. I don't want to toot my own horn, but toot toot. There you go. <laughs> I mean, telling your story is so important because it really does help build what we call that trust bucket. So people get to know you better and that really builds that customer loyalty. Do you have another example maybe of being transparent or super honest that really helped your business? A prime example is I, again, like I didn't, I, I didn't have, I wasn't a trust fund kid. So I had to go out and I had to pitch my story to my friends and my families or people that maybe family directed me towards so that I could, I couldn't do this alone. I was a, I was an ambulance driver and I was making minimum wage. And I'm a single mother. So, like, I didn't have a ton of money behind me. Uh, prime example, uh, I went and reached out to some friends and uh, some family. And I gave them the honest story, the story that I just gave you guys. And I let them know, like, hey, if you invest in me, I will be open, transparent, and I'll do everything that I can to make sure that we are we all make it out of this. Like everybody, the goal is everybody makes a little bit of piece of the pie and we all change in some way, shape or form the systems, the systems that are out in the world right now. Um, so I had friends and family that, you know, invested in the business and then I hit major hiccups. Uh, in my very first year. Um, and I had to pull all my investors together. And it was one of the most gut-wrenching feelings. And um, to tell them, you know, hey, I hit a financial snag and I'm not going to have any of you guys' checks ready. Um, 
when they're due. And I think me being honest and open about it was the reason I got from every last one of my investors. Don't worry about it. We see you. We got you. We understand. Just hand us some checks when you can. And like just being open and transparent and and honest gets you a little bit further. It gets you so much further um, because yeah. had I had not told them and just kind of, you know, ducked and dodged them or ignored phone calls or ignored emails, I could have ruined that relationship. And that between my friends and family, they've got at least 55,000 riding on this on this business. So like, I don't want to jack up what I've got and I don't want to lose my friends or my family. They tell you not to work with friends and family in business, but I mean, we don't really have a choice sometimes. So exactly. Well, you definitely go about it, you know, in an admirable way, you know, putting forth the honesty and transparency uh, to those people. I think that's where a lot of people do get into trouble with business because you don't always have that. And, you know, it's sometimes it's best to avoid that if you can, but you, you put it right out there front and center. And I think that's amazing. Um, Ashley, you may or may not know, but we're all former journalists. Um, so, you know, one of the things that we learned when working in uh, television news was, um, how every interview opportunity or how every interview for somebody can be an opportunity for them um, to position themselves and fill the trust bucket, as Diane mentioned earlier, and um, position themselves as a thought leader. So uh, we're curious, you know, how, how have you enjoyed some, um, some of the media exposure or what type of media exposure have you had um, because of your unique story? And what tips might you have for other business owners when it comes to telling your story if media comes calling? So I have had a couple different um, run-ins with the media. So when I first got my license, um, honestly, I I didn't think this program was um, a big of a deal as it has turned out to be. So when I got my uh, the first port of, part of my license, I was uh, offered a partial license. I could do pre-rolls in the beginning. So when that was granted to me, I went home. I was all excited. I told my husband. I told my kids. I was like, yes, let's do this. And then I woke up the next day and I had like four or five different voicemails from people that I didn't know. And it was Denver Wright news, uh, news station, newspaper. I had talked with Eric and Desiree and Desiree's um, photographer. And so that was like the very first story that I did. I had... Desiree do my, um, she did the article on me and then her photographer had come in, he had taken some pictures and it was an amazing story. Amazing story. I woke up, uh, after it was published to more voicemails and text messages as my friends. Well, cause I don't know if you guys know Newsbreak. we're like addicted to that in my, my group. We're all 30 and we love the news. So um, it was one of the first things that popped up the next morning on Newsbreak. So everybody was like, oh, my God, you did it. You made it. I love the media. Um, my <laughs> uncle is not um, he's not much of a talker. He's a he's a veteran as well. So he's like, you do all the talking and I'll do all the computer mm -hmm. stuff back here. And I'm like, perfect. Um, so my advice is go for it. I was um, in the beginning when before it had come out, um, some of my investors and my uncle and we were all talking and they were like, don't do it. Don't do it. Like it's you're going to get bad press. And in my eyes, no press is bad press. I think if you are confident in yourself and you are honest, 
I, I want to reiterate, I'm going to say honest a lot, um, just because I feel like in today's age, we've lack honesty. Um, so if you're confident and you're honest and you're open, I feel like you can turn any podcast into your benefit, what, whether the intentions were ill or not. Um, so I advise everybody to do all of it because you don't know what audience is targeted to what outlet. And so if this outlet has, you know, um, your elderlies um, that just watch this one and then you only do stuff on like TikTok, that's not going to really balance out. So I personally say do it all. I, I like the the idea of getting the script. This is the second one that I've done where I've had a script. I like the script. It gives me the ideas, kind of gauges where we're going to go. And um, I say do it all. Don't If you don't do it, that's where you're going to fail. Yeah. Just it, so your 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 relationship with the media thus far has been has been pretty positive because you're willing to share your story. But let's talk a minute if, if about if something comes out that's negative. It could be negative about cannabis in general, the cannabis industry. How would you suggest a, a business owner like yourself handle the media if something negative comes out? I always say be prepared for the worst. So always um, keep your cool and remember to be honest. So if something negative comes out to you, please make sure that you have actual positive facts to counterpart what, what that negative is. Um, because cannabis is new. I mean, it, in my life, because I've been a consumer my entire life, it's not new. But for, um, you know, the my older generation where it was illegal for 50 years of their lives and now all of a sudden it's legal and they have been taught that it's bad for you. And I always love to come back with facts. Love facts. It's true. And you have the facts behind you and you've also kind of thought through those negative situations and you're ready for them. It makes all the difference. So you told us that you worked with Desiree over at Denverite um, and you have a really good working relationship. I'm interested in how you establish that rapport and, and do you have that type of rapport with other reporters? I am. My mom calls me different. <laughs> Excuse me. My mom calls me different um, because I what you see right now is what you would see if you saw me outside at the grocery store with my hair wrapped up in my pajamas on. I love to talk. <laughs> I love to talk. <laughs> um, so I, I think I've always had that kind of built in me. Um, and so when Desiree reached out to me, I made it more friend based, more than business, because I wanted to get to know her and I wanted her to get to know me. I didn't want it to be transactional. Um, so I before I go into business, I always want to if I can get like two days worth of conversations, whether it's text messaging or email or a 20 minute phone call, I just want to see how your day was going. I want to see, you know, what you're doing for dinner, what's your plans this weekend? Do you have like, what are your plans this year? I I try to make it more genuine and authentic versus transactional and business wise. So that's how I start all. I, that's how I start everything. Everybody that I meet, I'm like, hey, girl, how are you? <laughs> I'm like, or, you know, I try to make it like 
make them make them feel comfortable. Um, and I think it maybe just is something in me that like I'm trying to make myself feel comfortable. And so um, hopefully you guys can just like bounce off my energy. We can match energies. And that's that's how I build my rapport. I just want you to be my I want to make friends. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. And just kind of build that rapport with those with those media members. Yeah. We talk a lot about building a, uh, a resilient brand. Very important because you never know what's coming. And so part of that is just preparing yourself for the unexpected, because there might be something that happens with the industry, government regulation, lack of government regulation, whatever it may be. So one way to establish your business is, is kind of that thought leader in the industry is to make yourself available. What ways have you found that work best to help uh, business owners like yourself be identified or thought of is that go-to interview when the media needs a source for any kind of story? Being present. Okay. There are a, I, I thought the cannabis industry wasn't, I just thought, you know, they, it was transactional. I mm -hmm. never realized how um, connected the cannabis industry can be. Um, and so just being present, go to the events, hit the, the um, there are a lot of online mentorships. Um, just make sure that you're there every time so that people get to know your face. And then once you build that rapport, with them after meeting them for so long, you know, hopefully they'll come back to you when it's time to have some sort of interview. I have had that before. I was at, um, there was a Cincy Magazine project back in April um, that I was invited to. And that was kind of like the third or fourth event that I had been to. So when I got there and someone had recognized me from the previous event. She was like, hey, I've got someone that I need you to meet. And then I ended up getting in connect with Matthew Kennard, who does um, shroom skis. He uh, used to be in the cannabis industry and he's kind of moved over to psychedelics and, uh, and mushrooms. And he was like, oh, I'd love, I'd love to get you on this podcast. So like just being present, making yourself know, make sure people know that you're there. Okay. Actually, one of the great things about brand protection PR is preparing for challenges and, you know, new challenges really help you take advantage of new opportunities when you can forecast these types of things. So what are the opportunities that you see that maybe uh, may arise out of challenges within the market here over the next three to six months? Hmm. So some of the opportunities that I see in the industry, I'm not sure if you guys are aware. Well, I'm, I'm hoping everyone is aware of inflation right now. Um, so the cannabis market is kind of upside down, uh, believe it or not. So the opportunity that I have in entering it now is a lot of um, the MIPs that were in Colorado didn't survive uh, COVID. Hmm. So in Denver right now, I am one of three or four MIPs. And Ashley, can you define MIP for the people out there who may not know what that acronym stands for? Absolutely. It's a marijuana infused product. So what I do is um, I actually have two labs and I work alongside my grow. I've got a perfect team. So my grow lives in Antonito um, and he has an amazing setup down there. And I, again, I could only get my pre-rolls 
license in Denver. So I have to get my extraction license in Antonito as well. My girl handles my extraction as well. So he'll take it from the grow over to the other side of the building. He'll extract it. My uncle makes that four and a half hour drive to Antonito and he gathers all the product. Then he brings it down to Denver where we um, package it and we ship it off for selling. So. Um, and so how does how does you're seeing inflation impact all of that? Uh, well, inflation. And just just the fact that inflation is high as it is now, um, the dispensaries are having a hard time selling the products as what we were selling it pre-COVID. And so um, a lot of people are, if they're not starting to fall behind, if they already haven't fell behind, um, for me, they, I'm, I'm trying to work with everyone, but the product that we have can go for at least $3 more than what I'm selling it for right now. But that's just because the market is so upside down that we had to kind of bring everything down to kind of bring everything else down over here. So yeah, um, that is a major opportunity for me though, because I'm like one of three or four and I'm the type of person that I want to work with everyone because it is such a small community. Um, so I do a lot of white labeling for other dispensaries and other, like some dispensaries had their own MIPS, um, the extraction unit for their concentrates and things like that. And they don't have that anymore. So they come to us and we do it for them. So you're really, you look for the opportunities, even though there's a challenge and we always love that because that's really moving the stairs. So good for you. <laughs> I'm also interested, you know, um, the, the cannabis, CBD, and hemp industries, um, they require you to educate a lot. Um, and whether it's the consumers, whether it's the reporters, or even the retailers, who do you think you have to educate the most? <laughs> my mom. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but seriously, my mom. Um, I I think for me, who I have to educate the most are my um I'm starting to take like step into the social media world for empty growers. So my education really goes out to my followers right. and um, the people that I deal with on a direct basis. That's who I have to educate the most because, you know, at back in the day, it was just you smoked a little bit and you felt good and you went on about your day. But there are medical reasonings behind this plant and um, it's always good to know what will treat what um, sickness or what pain or what's going to help you go to sleep or what's going to help you if you have problems with your appetite um, is very it, it's it's it takes the industry a step further. And I think where I'm at now is trying to get people to understand that the industry is not a joke and it really can be um it's something that we need to like really take a look at. Um, a lot of, a lot of things that go on outside. Um, I would, I'm not a doctor, but I, I listen to some stories and I'm like, Hey, I've dealt with that before. Why don't you just smoke a little bit of weed and you feel a little bit better, you know? Um, so I think we really need to take a look at that and, and really study that. So I try my best to give my knowledge to the people that I know so that they take me seriously. I love that. And and I love this conversation. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much, Ashley. We've been Thank talking with you. Ashley Jenkins of Empty Growers. And Ashley, how can people get a hold of you? 
So, uh, like I said, I stepped into the media world, the social media world. I do have a um, a Facebook page and an Instagram. They are MT Growers, one word. Um, on Instagram, it's MT Growers 22. I will be the first one to say there's not a lot of content on either of those pages because I'm still trying to figure out how not to violate community standards yeah. so the facebook page stays in jail all the time <laughs> but the best way to reach me is mtgrowers.inc at gmail.com i love email i think i'm 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 i think i finally hit that spit that age where i'm like email me <laughs> don't call <laughs> me email me so so mtgrowers.inc at gmail.com is the best way to reach me Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thanks, you guys. It was a pleasure. Happy Friday. Yes. Happy Friday to you. Thank you. What a great conversation. I just love that. Um, And I thought when she was talking about honesty, building customer loyalty, and also building investor loyalty, where Mm -hmm. she kind of ran into that hiccup, but she was just completely transparent with her investors. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, let the chips fall where they may, but this is where I am. And for her, that ended up being a great situation. So good for her. I think that was fantastic. Yeah. Not pretending like everything's in order because everything's not always in order, right? Never, exactly. It's never going to be perfect. So I thought that was good. I love her honesty and her transparency. I also like the fact when she talked about under building those insider media relations, trying to get to know the reporter and figure out what their motivation is. And that can be a little bit of a challenge because I remember being a reporter, I'd be calling somebody for an interview and be thinking in the back of my mind, come on, come on, come on, come on, because I got to turn this around at five, right. six, seven o'clock. I was always in a hurry. But I also found as a reporter, it helped me gain their trust if they understood what my motivation was. Right. So she, she's taken the time to try to get to know them. It's like, what is your story? What are you after? And then build that rapport. And that's worked to, to her advantage. Yeah, and I think lastly here, um, when we're talking about brand resiliency, um, Ashley has identified that she has a, a very unique talent, and that is she likes to talk to people. She likes to engage. So if it's investors, if it's colleagues, if it's industry professionals, if it's media, uh, one thing that stood out to me is she talked about being present and how important that is to um, building herself up as a thought leader. But that also reflects positively on her brand as well. And that helps fill the trust bucket, which is just so important um, in this industry in in particular. And I I thought that was really, really great advice. Absolutely. Kind of peels that curtain back a little bit. Let the consumer see who, who you are, what your motivation is. Well, thank all of you for joining us with our special guest, Ashley Jenkins with MT Growers today for this Move the Stairs podcast. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again for another episode of the Move the Stairs podcast. Thank you again for listening to the Move the Stairs podcast. You may be wondering where the phrase Move the Stairs comes from. It's my life's mantra and MNC's commitment to our clients. It's a nod to a defining moment in my television news career. You know, in news, you have to be first with the story, no excuses. And one night I had to get the first TV news interview with a senatorial candidate after he accepted the nomination on stage. I noticed the stairs leading off the stage were taking the candidate directly to my competitors. But what could I do? So I looked around and I noticed the stairs were on wheels. I walked over and bolted the stairs and moved them so the candidate walked off the stage right to my team first. 
At MNC Communications, our years in the media taught us there's always a way to move the stairs to make the best possible outcome happen for our clients. Thank you.